since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. As you may know, there have been unusual occurrences all over the world. These were taken by one of our spy satellites three days ago. We need a way to locate and intercept that object. What is it? We were hoping you could tell us. It's here. That's bad. That's really bad. Johnny, I just bought this tux. We have to destroy this thing. Your encounter with a surfer has affected your molecules. It could cause you to temporarily switch powers. You like falling? No, 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 hey! Oh my God! Come on! You can't handle this alone. Everywhere this thing goes, eight days later, the planet dies. All that you know is at an end. Richards, Ben Grimm, Sue Richards, Johnny Storm. Together they braved the unknown terrors of outer space and were changed into something more than human. Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, The Invisible Girl, The Human Torch. And now the world will never again be the same. Stan Lee presents The Fantastic Four. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. And we continue with week three of Fantastic February. I'm Peter Melnick, and I am not joined this week with Eddie Wilson. However, we do have a special co-host for this episode, who you will also hear next week. You're not going to see him next week because it's an audio podcast, but I digress. Now, before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, let's get into that other rigmarole, because I botched that somehow, but how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash themarvelists. Go and follow myself on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster, M-E-L-N-I-C-K. You can also find us on the Twitter at themarvelists, myself at Peter Melnick, and hashtag Jeremy Badley doesn't want any of what Eddie Wilson's Twitter nonsense because Eddie Wilson doesn't want to be on Twitter. That's a long hashtag. You can also find us on Instagram at themarvelists. 
And you can find Eddie on Instagram at Eddie9193. Eddie, I got it right this time. I finally got it right. You can also follow myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick. And finally, if you want to drop a line in our email bag, questions, comments, strongly worded letters, you name them, we read them. We're going to do stuff. We just, I don't know. I, I always do this every week, but we're going to do stuff with that email. We're going we're gonna to print them out. We're going to put them on the refrigerator. We're going to put a little sticker on there that says, Grape Job. You scratch it. It smells like grape. We're, we're going to do a lot of that. And we'll read them, too. Out loud, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll do, like, dramatic readings. We haven't figured that out yet. Also, there's a wide variety of ways you can listen to this here fine program. You can find us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe on there. Share the show on social media. When you see a link, share it. Spread the word. Let people know that you're digging this show. Spreading the word of the Marvel gospel. Making yours Marvel every single day. You can find us on a wider variety of streaming platforms available for all iOS and Android devices, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, and Spotify. But going back over to Stitcher, go on stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout, Marvelous, and get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. And then it's only $4.99 a month afterwards. And you're probably wondering, $4.99 a month? Well, what am I going to be getting with that you know, service when I start paying for it? Well, from the get-go when you're on there for free, you get access to the entire podcasting world pretty much. Whatever shows have premium content are going to be on there. So you're talking about Earwolf's network. You're talking about the Smodcast archives. You're talking about Nerdist. You're talking about etc., etc., etc. But the biggin, people, the biggin is Wolverine the Long Night, which is Marvel's first foray into serialized podcasting content. It's like a little radio play, but a hairy radio play because Wolverine is short and really, really hairy. He's probably Italian or German like I am, so you never know. Well, he's Canadian too, but I digress. And speaking of digressions, I don't even know how that segue worked for that, but... This week, we are joined with our audio engineer, John. He's making his debut on this show, technically, because we totally didn't record Fan Stick right before this episode a couple days earlier. John, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be on the show. Uh, glad to be here, to be around. Um, you got the uh, the intro down, Pat, there. Thank you. It's, Usually, I end up botching that miserably. Yeah, but you you, you got it. That's a lot of information to remember, and you do a pretty good job with it, I would say, for sure. I always I always read the nutritional facts on the cereal boxes as a kid, and I knew all the different ingredients. I would <laughs> perfectly. I did not. But, yeah, this is the continuation of Fantastic Four Month. Fantastic February, Fantastic Ooh. February. Rude. And, yeah. And I asked you if you want to be on the show to do this episode, and you made me feel a million years old when you said one comment. <laughs> oh, no, I know I exactly what I was eight years old when I first saw that movie. Yep. And I'm like, huh, I was in college at the time. Yep. So, yeah. I- I'm excited to see the difference uh, in perspective. I think I had definitely, I'm going to have a naturally a little different perspective, because I do remember seeing this as a kid as as well as most of, like, even when, like, the current Marvel Universe came out, like, Iron Man, I was a child for that. Like, that was, like, a, that's a childhood film for me. That's so weird. I'm a little, I was a little older, I'd say. I mean, it came out in, like, what, 2009 or 2008, something like that? 2008, yeah. Yeah, so I was, like, I, I, I was, like, nine years old. Uh, and so it's, like, a, I remember seeing it and, like, just going much less so than I think you and even more or less so than Eddie. But I was, like, this is so cool to see, like... This looks like a legit movie. It feels like a legit movie as opposed to a comic book movie right. um, was like the stigma at the time. And so even 
having seen stuff like the Fantastic Four is it was like when you got to see that the, that Iron Man stuff, you're like, oh, you you could tell. You're, you're like, this is different. Yeah, yeah, you're like, this is different. You could kind of tell it was different. And I think that was a really cool moment as a kid to say, this is what I see all the time, and it's so cool seeing it like in this light because you I you really hadn't before. So um, I love these movies, even the the bad ones. We talked about. We'll we'll talk about we, Howard the Duck. Uh, all that oh. like I saw a lot of those movies when I was a kid, and so as a kid, I, I have a, I have so much more space for like, oh, it was good. Even the bad ones, I'm like, no, that's a great movie because it was just such like cathartic childhood memories. <laughs> and with this movie, it's. I never saw this movie until this initial viewing for Wow. Because, once again... They weren't that good, so I get they're, it. <laughs> they're very campy. Like, yeah. really, there's a lot of jokes in these movies that either will hit or miss, or you just see them and you're just like... Really? Okay. You're going with that? You're going with that scene? Why? Yeah. And, I mean, I don't mind, because, again, it's the goofiness of the Fantastic Four. And there's a lot of examples in this movie of just how much like they do the family dynamic quite a bit to the point where they're arguing in a uh, military helicopter and you hear the one military guy go could you guys shut up because they're literally doing what a family does they argue they fight they scream at each other and that's what family is it's a lot of screaming and a lot of lozenges that you need ingested no yeah I think it's uh, one of the good one of the big draws to this film is that they get the relationships down well. well it, they it, don't get certain characters, right? They don't get certain characters, right, but they do get the dynamic the f- dynamic between the characters correctly with their interpretations of the characters. I, I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me is they kept... Uh, an important part of Fantastic Four, one of the more important parts of the Fantastic Four is the fact that they're a family, and I think they kept that more than some of the other films have, and I, that, that is one big positive, I think, to this film. Yeah, um, and for me, one of the biggest positives in regards to the family dynamic relationship is the connection between Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm. Yeah. It's a lot of the whole, you know, teasing each other. Brotherly love type yeah. thing. Very, yeah, very much so. And... I, I think doing that, keeping it like that, is such a smart move. Because otherwise, you're not going to get the characters the way they're supposed to be. When you're watching a bit of, like, fan stick, it's... They kind of do it in small doses. Yeah. But they not much. dip their toe in the water. Yeah. And that's about as far as it goes. But it's not a theme. It's not a theme. It's a, it's a moment or two. It's not a theme. Um, because also... More of a head nod. In this interpretation of the movie, they were already... You know, they were always together. Mm-hmm. And it's, as opposed to Fantastic, where... They come together more. Yeah, and I'm just... I, I prefer this version and the Roger Corman one because mm-hmm. they That's get fair. that aspect of the comics. Yeah, it's a big aspect. It's important. If you ignore that, we'll talk about it. You know, I said you... Until you have an ingrained series, you can't ignore some of the fundamental parts of it. Like, don't... If, if Spider-Man hadn't had any grabbing at all if there wasn't any Spider-Man don't start with like Black Suit Venom Spider-Man yeah doesn't make a lot of sense to because people audience's first interpretation of Spider-Man would be oh he's that character when he's not same with Van Forstick they start with a different I mean they change it up a little bit which is fine but since there's no base for it 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 misses a bit because everyone's like this is Fantastic Four it's not really what I remember I'm also not a huge fan like that's what a lot of people will say and so I think that's a big mistake they made and again you bring up something that once again every time I talk about Fantastic Four with people I always hear that Mm -hmm. I wasn't a fan of the Fantastic Four and 
It's not a slight. It's it's something I've heard so many times. Yeah, a lot. And I want to ask you, why do you feel that way? Why don't? Why didn't you care for the Fantastic? Yeah, so I like the Fantastic Four. I I just um I wasn't as drawn to them as a lot of other, uh, especially growing up as a lot of other franchises. Spider Man and Batman were my two favorite superheroes growing up. Um, right. I think a, they have less mainstream media. Like with Spider Man, there's a there's a lot of TV shows. There's a lot yeah. of, of, of like I grew up on the '94 Spider-Man TV show. I watched that every single day. I loved that show. It was one of my it was one of my favorite shows growing up of all time. Um, and so there's other stuff like that that had a lot more content I think available aside from like comics um, was part of it. Um, also, they had some earlier stronger interpretations. Whether it's Spider-Man with like the early 2000s films, they were very strong. They were the first oh, yeah. commercially successful superhero films I think. Um, one of them. One yeah, of the first main that. run ones for our kind of grouping. Them and the X-Men. Yeah, yeah. That's another. And so I think that was, that's, yeah, X-Men as well. It was another good, strong series. Um, and then Batman's been around forever. The, even, there was TV shows going back forever for that and all that. Um, so I think that's part of it for sure. I also think, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot, they're an adventure group. It's a different yeah. vibe. Um, it doesn't appeal, I think, to as many people maybe. To me as a kid, I loved the idea of superheroes, and I liked the Fantastic Four. I read some Fantastic Four comics. Um, one of them sticks out. Uh, I, I can't think of which one it is. I'm sure this happens more than once, but um, uh, Doom... Uh, well, you're off to a good start so far. Doom takes them all, like kidnaps them all, takes them hostage, whatever, and he's like torturing them based on their powers. So like he's putting Johnny in an air tube, and it's, ha- you know, it's... it's of course you're going to come across that a lot because these are like the perfect heroes to pit against their you know things. He makes uh, Mr. Fantastic very cold and he like, freezes him out, stuff like that. And so uh, I remember that very vividly and I liked it a lot. I just think there was less mainstream stuff out there that was pushed. Um, and so unless you were really a fan of the comics a lot, you maybe weren't drawn to it as much. And the more mainstream you get into society, the more you see that. I would also say Long the, answer. O- the older you are too because yeah. they were heavily, heavily pushed in the comic books, you know, because mm-hmm. they were... Solid say, franchise. When I say it, they were Marvel's first family. They weren't just, you know, the whole aspect of the family dynamic. They were the first group of characters that were introduced in the Marvel Age of Comics. Mm-hmm. So, with their 1961 introduction, you have these characters that come along and just do their own thing. The roots. It's the roots of the... Uh, for a lot of fans, yeah. And for like a solid decade plus, everything revolved around the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And, you know, you have the introduction of uh, Namor, the Submariner, mm-hmm. who became a big player in there. You have Galactus and all the major things because... You know, yeah, you have Spider-Man running around. You have the Fantastic Four. The, or, <laughs> I just the you have Spider-Man. You have the Avengers. You have... Etc. Etc. They're all running around, and they're doing their own thing. But who gets the big bad villain in the form of Galactus? Sure. Where he's literally, literally, gonna destroy the world. World leader, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the biggest threats you could have out there. So, it's that interpretation, and it's that level of importance of those characters that you know, you have that. Yeah, they're important, and I think again, the more you get into comic book fans the more you find people saying oh I love the Fantastic Four and the more you get into like an average movie goer nowadays like if you look at people that got into superheroes since like Avengers 1 and stuff and like uh, for a lot of those people you'd be like well how do you feel about the Fantastic Four they're like there have been a few movies haven't there like and that's about it Um, and so uh, (coughs) uh, so yeah so I I think that's um, 
that's definitely a big part of it. I think that's part of the reason they've found trouble commercially. Uh, also, a lot of their films were either before superheroes movies got taken seriously, or yeah. with this one, like the newest one, um, I think it's just they went for the wrong direction. I would say tone especially. Yeah, it feels dark. like DZ, DC tried to make a Marvel movie. Is definitely how it felt. It had the same pitfalls. Marvel of, made a DC movie. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, either or. It, 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 feel, it has a lot of the same pitfalls as a lot of the DC movies do. They have tone, tonal issues. They have the extended cuts better. Like, they have a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and it's funny because we'll never see that extended cut of Fantastic Four. Yeah. Four stick. Yeah. Because... The movie didn't do well critically. The movie didn't do well financially on you know on the mm-hmm. big screen or on home video sales. Yeah. Every like, if you go to your local Best Buy, if you go to Big Lots, if you go to Five Friggin Below, <laughs> you're gonna see that movie sitting. Yeah, sad. It's sad. It was a flop. Is what it's a flop. <laughs> and those copies are still probably the same ones in the Best Buy mm-hmm. that were there since day one when it got released. I'm sure. Because why? What's the point of printing more? Spending more money on this pit, you know? They made a steelbook version of that movie. Jeez. They made like the version that you know you you you're going to see next week from Eddie is he got the the he got one the Target exclusive but at a big lots. Jeez. Yeah. It's no one bought them. No one cares. Yeah. That's 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 tough. And it, it's interesting though because this movie do, this movie Rise of the Silver Surfer does pay a lot of love and respect. By the way, I don't think I actually mentioned this in this episode. This episode is about <laughs> the Silver Surfer. Yeah, jeez. Fantastic Four 2, Rise of the Silver Surfer. But That's funny. It's, it's definitely one of the movies where somehow it's both the closest to the source material and also finds a way to steer away as much as humanly possible. I That's a really good... I can't say I would have been able to come up with that, man. That's very, um, that's very accurate. It, you know, you have Galactus, who is literally a cloud. Yeah. And I now I want to ask you, when you look at Galactus in the comics, you see him with his stupid grand puba of big you know, purple dude. <laughs> yeah. I it's I wrote down as I was watching this movie. I wrote down a lot of notes. Like I have multiple pages of just like notes throughout it. And I said five times minimum, especially. And it's funny you see them getting closer together the farther the movie comes. Just show me Galactus. Show me the real. Have him come out of that cloud. Like I wanted to see. Yeah. I also think though, if they did that, it would have. Unless they made him look massive and menacing, it might have made it campier when they were trying to have the dark thing. But he looks like the cloud of black smoke from Lost. Like it look. It's oh so. Gosh. It's the dead ass. What it looks like. It yeah. looks just like that. Um. I, and I, I don't know if I like it or not. I understand why they would do it. Cause big purple Galactus people are like, what the hell is this? But it's but I'll, still. I'll give you a counterpoint. You see that, okay, that's not believable. But you have Orange Rock Monster over here. That's fair, that's you fair. Know. I think they'd have to do it right. I think if they were to do it, they'd have to, spend, they'd have to make him look serious. Because he looks kind of... Can- he's silly looking. He has a big old hat. Like, it's that's, silly. That's <laughs> I want to know. You, that's why you have certain versions of the characters. And then you look at them and you're like, wow, this doesn't... This, the original version doesn't hold up. Or this original version doesn't translate well to the big screen. Sure. My biggest example is Harley Quinn. In Suicide Squad, there's a dream flashback sequence or whatever. Sure. And you see her in the Harlequin outfit. I've gone on record in the past, and I will continue to say this: that outfit does not work. I've never like understood the appeal on. The in I'm gonna say in the movies or in the comics as well. In the comics, it's fine. In the cartoon where she yeah. originated, it's sure. fine. I think that that's the case a lot. Um, it looks hokey. With most mediums, you can't perfectly translate it. I think the big negative to 
superhero stuff is when you put it in the movie, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. A, for a while, budget-wise. Now, they've fixed a lot of it budget-wise, and that's why I think a lot of these movies are doing better, because you can show a lot more. But still, there's a level of... Um, realism that you have to have when you're working with real people where as a cartoon or as a comic or um this is a big issue you'll see too with like in a lot of like uh animes and stuff right you have to it's it's you have to specific you have to have a specific because they're so out there and stuff some of these characters are so unrealistic and caricature-esque that putting them on the big screen is gonna look goofy and that was the issue i think with a lot of the older stuff is it looked goofy people thought superhero films were for kids they were goofy because Real people dressing up as the penguin, eh, they, and you think it's goofy. Yeah. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. That's a big debate, but yeah, I think it's hard to do everything. Um, and you know, there's also I feel like some of these movies. This movie is not one of them, ironically, as I described about the whole Galactus thing. But this is one of those movies where they're not really that embarrassed of the source materials, costumes, mm-hmm. because the, obviously you're not gonna have the little white four in the middle on the chest. Yeah, you're gonna have it maybe in the top, like it's a flight sure. suit or a uniform. But that's kind of close to what those actually were, actually. <laughs> but you have the X-Men movies, on the flip side, that are kind of embarrassed of the source material. So they're like, no, we don't want to do that. Whereas you have a whole audience out there clamoring for Hugh Jackman to dress up as Wolverine in the yellow and blue or the yellow and brown. I'd like it for like once. I'd like to see it. I don't think I'd like it for a whole franchise. I understand them not doing that for a franchise, but I'd love to see it. Because it is a... To me, and this isn't how it works, film is you go for the biggest audience. For me, I always say, whether it's music, whether it's uh, film, the the fan base, like, at least sometimes, adhere to them. Like, people have been, like... Like, X-Men have been on for a while. They're very, very successful franchise. Yeah. Give them the yellow suit for, like, a movie or some, a scene. Some, just, like, pay respect to that. Because without it, you wouldn't be a thing. So pay respect to the original stuff. Um, well, interestingly enough, James Marigold, the one who did, directed The Wolverine and Logan, yeah. in a deleted scene, because they felt, oh, we don't want to include this. In The Wolverine, there's a deleted scene where Logan ends up opening this briefcase, and inside is the uh, Wolverine outfit. The brown or the, ye- the yellow? I want Yeah, the brown and yellow one, and you yeah. see the, the headpiece. I think I've, I've seen something like that. I wasn't sure what movie, but I have seen the brown in a film as like a deleted it, scene or yeah, something. Yeah, just a deleted scene. Good. It was never realized, and they, Good. they just didn't want to do it. Yeah, they should just put it in, in the briefcase. Don't have them put them on. Just be like, like even if they showed it and with Hugh Jackman's... Well, even with the Wolverine, this is perfect. You could have... A, this would be a perfect scene that would work really well. You have a character go like, we got this suit for you or something, and he's like, that's lame, I don't want it. Like, that would work. Like, with his character, like, he... Like, because Wolverine is that grumpy dude. So, like, it would work sometimes. Did you see uh, Into the Spider-Verse? Uh, not yet, and I really, really want to. <laughs> they acknowledge, like, certain things, like, oh, that's lame, or that's yeah. this, and then they utilize it. From what I'm seeing, it's a beautiful movie with a lot of really cool... Like, it, it's... One of the more well-done films um, out there for superheroes. In all honesty, it was the best comic book movie of 2018. I'm not surprised. I'm very not surprised by that. It pays so much love and respect to the character and just the overall universe. Like, you see the spider Bucky show up. Yeah. Just randomly. You know... Well, stuff you've never seen is cool. That's just dope. Like, I, I really respect that a lot. And again, a lot of that stuff, the more we see this stuff getting popular, the more... Because this is a genre now. Yeah. I always oh, yeah. compare... I don't know if I've told you about this. I think this is a very, very good comparison. Superhero movies now are a lot like the action films of the 80s. I can definitely see Where you have really, really good ones and really, really bad ones and all the ones in between. You, know, you have, like, 
the ones that hold up. You know, like, yeah, I, people still watch this movie. Die Hard's still very popular. Then you have other ones that were, like, Rambo, way over the top. You have a lot of different styles. And superhero movies are like that now, where some of them are really good. Other eyes, there are certain Marvel films that came have come out. I don't like them that much. They're fine, but like some of them seem like cash grabs and stuff because they know they'll make money and it's just ah cool. Um, and you see a lot of that in the '80s with action movies, and it's always going to be a genre just like this. So we're going to see so much of the comic universe come to life in the next fifty years. Like in our lifetime, it's going to be so interesting to see all the different paths they take. With your comparison with the action movies, in my opinion, Spider-Man Two is the I would say. Terminator 2 Judgment Day of comic book movies. I That's fair, yeah. It's a sequel that Elaborate. on the original. Sure. It ended up... It still holds up incredibly well. I, I saw Terminator 2 in 3D at an Alamo Draft House two years ago. Nice. And it was one of my favorite movie-going experiences. Yeah. And you're seeing all this. You're seeing everything just go off without a hitch. And it's a movie that's over 20-something years old and still holds up. I love them. Uh, and again, maybe it's biased. I love Spider-Man, so I loved them. Um, but yeah, they were really well. And not to, we're straying a lot from Fantastic Four, but not to go too much farther, but um, I recently saw the teaser trailer for the new Spider-Man that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, I, I was watching it and you see what looks almost like it could be sand. You see a bunch of sand moving and I was like, I was with my friends, I'm like, is that Sandman? Is that, is that Sandman? That's so cool. And then I went, I don't know why I went. There's no way like Hydra Man or whatever is going to be in this movie, and it's and like Hydra Man shows up. Well, because as a kid, like I've seen, I've seen it before, like the shows and the comics. I actually had like a little like info book, Spider Man villains and stuff, and they were one of them. And you never really see Hydra Man that much. And I was like, I made the joke to my friends, and I was like, and they could like like, a, like the mud monster thing happens a lot, and I had made it like obviously it's not going to be in it but like i'm like nerding out a little bit for my friends and like 30 seconds later you see a big thing of water i don't think i've ever jumped that far i was literally like like full freak out mode it was beautiful and it's stuff like that like little people you wouldn't expect they're going to start putting in and it's just great to see As someone like me i'm like oh that's like a really cool thing that when i was that age i would never have expected to see that so it was very interesting and you know going over to that real quick one thing that's people are wondering oh so they're the villains in the movie Oh, but wait a minute. Bigger villain. The hero. Yeah. And, like, people are annoyed and, like, they don't understand it. A lot of people, myself included, this is what the plot is going to be. It's going to be Mysterio ends up coming along. He ends up delving from the plot, like we're doing with this discussion. <laughs> but he ends up bringing along these illusions because they're not tricks, because a trick is, of course, due for money. Yeah. Prostitutes do for money. Sure. For candy. But. <laughs> It is, in, he's doing those as illusions to get people's minds away while he goes and steals stuff. Yeah, and it's smart. which is what he does, so which is not, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think he's, he very easily could turn into the, not, you know, villain that's not really a villain because, yeah, he has a, his heart is not evil, right? He just wants, he's, he's a little thief and a little, like, piece of crap, but that's about it. So I could see him not being the big bad or whatever. I'm just um, getting Molten Man on the big screen. Oh, that is I, where I'm just, oh, like, just crap. I'm just very, I'm very excited for that movie, and I think that's the best, my opinion, the best run of Spider-Man's Tom Holland's, I think, um, and I hope I don't mess this up. Uh, I think Tobey Maguire plays a good Peter Parker. Yes. I think Andrew Garfield plays a fine Spider-Man. I hated it, though. I did not like the adaptations. It really made me mad. I like the first um, one. I didn't care for the second one at all. The first one's better. I hate goddamn Transformer Rhino. It makes, it, I, that alone was enough to make me not want to watch the movie. I don't think I saw the second movie because of that almost more than anything else. 
Um, I didn't like it a lot because it was messing with my childhood. I was like, I expect Rhino to be a really big, dumb guy in a big gray outfit. Like, it's you expect that. Um, and so I didn't like his... Tom Holland is, like, a perfect conglomerate of, like, high school Spider-Man, and they do really good by the source material. They, It's closest thing that we've gotten, it's in my opinion, easily. Love him for it. Yeah. He's very well received, too. That's why I hope they don't kill him off at all for a very long time, because it's the most successful one they've ever had. And the thing is, you know... Well, we're going to go back over to Fantastic Four, but the thing is, a lot of these... Uh, <laughs> we should do these, the two of us. <laughs> Eddie has to be here. Eddie just yells at me. Or yeah, get back to the... Notes at me. <laughs> clipboard. Yeah. But, yeah, there is just a whole level of how they do these. And mm-hmm. the, that portrayal is just fantastic. Yeah. And speaking of fantastic, I will say this movie is the strongest interpretation of the lineup that mm-hmm. I've seen. Yeah. Next to the corn one, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, which is that is funny. I, I, when you guys were saying that, this is funny. I get to listen to all these episodes first because I edit them. Um, so I'm half a part of the conversation, half not. Uh, have you watched but, the Corman one, by the way? Yeah, I have. Oh. A while I watched it in high school, uh, and it was when it kind of like, it, I don't know if it reemerged or whatever. It, like, it was a thing. Like, uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, it was a thing when I was in like my junior or senior high school, and I watched it then. And I very much get it. does. It's corny, but it's not. And not it's of, crazy. <laughs> a lot of the humor in this movie is very campy. Two thousands. Oh, this yeah. movie reminds me. I made this point specifically. This reminds me of the live action Scooby Doo movies so much. Same. Huh. This and and the best part is, uh, the second Scooby Doo movie, Monster Island, whatever the hell it's called, um, almost the same setup as this movie. It it is. I believe it. The 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 the, the gang has gotten famous. For their for for helping out the area, right? They're famous. They've only ever really encountered stuff they could handle, and so they're like like some of them, Fred or Johnny Storm, flash in the flash in it with the ladies. They love the cameras. Other ones are like not as into it. Like it is dead ass. The first twenty minutes, one for one, is almost perfect. With yeah. it's the same exact stylistic tone of this. Um, and it, it, I went, this looks like the Scooby Doo movies, and then. For like the first twenty minutes, I'm like, this is the same plot, the same intro, it's almost the exact same introduction of, uh, of them. Like it, it, it blew my mind how close they were. They were even in an airport for like their, they get in a big fight in the airport in Scooby Doo and like Sep or whatever. So it's all, but they literally are in the airport. Like it's the same thing. I, see, I've Watch never, it, it's crazy. I've never watched the Scooby Doo movies, and I've wanted to. I because. There's, they're, they're like this. It, they're a lot like this. The funniest thing is the first one was, I believe, written by James Gunn, you know, yeah. now shunned director at Marvel, who was responsible for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But, Give yeah. Them, watch them. It'll blow your mind how similar to this movie it is, especially the first act, the first 20 minutes, that inciting incident stuff, almost the same. Do, do the guys in the, the first Scooby Doo fight Doctor Doom as well? Sadly, no. Uh, <laughs> With like his game show host voice in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and it, he had a weird voice in this movie. It didn't really fit at all. Uh, Hi, I'm Doctor Doom. Especially the scene where he's talking to the Silver Surfer. He's like literally shrouded in darkness. You can't see his face. Yeah, he's like, "Hey there, old friend. Hi. You've been really putting up quite a hassle so far. It's the least threatening voice. He looks like Palpatine, and he's talking like he." <laughs> Welcome to like it's cra- yeah. it, crazy. It was crazy. I'm not a fan of that version of the character. portrayal of the character. Yeah, and I will say Doom Surfer is cool as shit. Yeah, Doctor Doom Silver Surfer was super cool, but one of the best parts of the film. Um, basically, one of the things also that really bothered me about this movie was well, not really bothered, but just it's very noticeable as we we talked about the humor. 
the bachelor party scene, there's a scene where Reed starts dancing with these different women and he gets caught by Sue. Yeah. I don't know why, but just like that scene, I want to dub over Lou Rawls, you'll never find a better character. <laughs> you'll never find. Like, you just hear that as he dances. Yeah. Because that's the music I'm expecting to hear. Sure. And it's That was a weird scene. Um, and she... A quote she said there is she was like, You should have seen me at my bachelorette party. It was nuts. Yeah, it's a little jealous. Pretty thing. sure it confirmed Sue Storm was cheating at the bachelorette party. Because he was dancing with chicks and she was like mad. And then she goes, You should have seen. This is nothing compared to that. I'm like, What does that mean? That's not a. <laughs> it, goes, it goes really inappropriate. And yeah. we, just, we, we can't do that. This is a PG 13. Yeah, it's not, that's not a good precedent. They're one upping their jealousy on each other. But it's funny because this movie just. Yeah, I, I, I actually liked a majority of this movie. Wasn't bad. It I think they had some good points. And the funniest part is, this is the best reviewed Fantastic Four movie. It is. It got like mid-level reviews. It got, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's fifty. Yeah, thirty. One of them was like a five point seven out of ten or something like that. Yeah. yeah. This is Metacritic still a quote-unquote rotten movie. Yeah. It's. It didn't score better. that bad. The critics didn't like it a lot. A lot of the critics were like this is aimless. Yeah. Campy in a bad way, blah, 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 blah. But again, the first one was very... They hated that even more. Yeah. Um, this one, I think they felt... They fell into their characters a little more. Um, yeah, they were getting a better, a much better grasp of the characters. And then you have to incorporate characters like the Silver Surfer. You have to make mm-hmm. their universe a lot larger. Yes. And with that, you have Lawrence Fishburne, who... Many of you will know as Morpheus. You'll also know mm-hmm. him as Bill Foster in Ant-Man and the Wasp. But he comes along playing the role of the Silver Surfer. And he's also mo-capped by, I believe, Doug Jones, the guy who yeah. was the fishman in Shape of Water. Rick. He was Abe Sapien. I was going to say that's the guy that's Abe Sapien. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that, but that he's been in a lot. Yeah. He, he's one of like, the most prolific like body... He was in... Uh, Who's Mac with the, with, the, uh, with, with the eyes? Yes. Pans, yeah, no. Was it Pans Lambert? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he, very, very good physical actor. I watched a thing on him uh, about a year ago. Very cool. Very cool guy. But it's just so weird. I didn't think that about that at all. That he's makes sense. all over. He's everywhere. He's the, what do they say? He's the most famous actor you've never seen. Yeah. Because ne- he's always in crazy makeup, but he's the most one of the best physical actors they've ever had. Like, it's crazy. He's very good. He And again, I would say this is obviously because it's the only interpretation we've seen on screen. It is a solid silver surfer. Not bad at all. Not a lot to mess up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's relatively easy if you care, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a good, it's a solid, it's solid. You see a lot of the character's anguish. You see a lot uh-huh. of the character's hardships and what. Without seeing any of it either, because he's very yeah. st- stone-faced, you know, he's, he's not very expressive, so it, it really... And with the, with the, obviously, with the shininess to the character, mm-hmm. that's very much a uh, camouflage for, like, the emotions of mm-hmm. so you can't really tell, but... Yeah, when his when his board when he his board left him and he was kind of like powerless, silver he was just space gray surfer. He was yeah. like, it was that was I didn't expect it. It made me laugh that he's literally like space gray surfer. He was, I would say it was a the effects on him were incredible. For the time period, it's very hit and miss. Like it was very good in this movie. Some movies at this time really messed up their CGI. Yeah. Other movies really nailed their CGI. And these guys, and, and considering it's a character that has to be on the screen a lot and stuff, they did do a very good job with it. Um, they could have done a lot worse. It's funny because the CGI in this movie is pretty solid. I will not, No, not bad. They don't try to overuse it. And then you look over at Spider-Man 3, the same year. Yeah. 
CGI in that movie, part like half of it doesn't hold up. Mm -hmm. There's like one scene in Spider-Man Three where you see Peter and Harry fighting, and it's just straight up green screen. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of this too with like at the same relative time period, uh, the people a lot of people say like what made Avatar was like one of the big one of the worst points of uh, the third Star Wars movie. And those are very similar to, I mean, it, it, it was a very, it was a time of change for CGI, and so some of them look really corny to hold up. Some of them still look really good today. Yeah. And this movie did, they didn't use it too much, so there's not necessarily a lot to mess up, but they did do really good with the stuff they CGI'd. was relatively realistic. Oh, yeah. I'm pr- especially, I'm sure it's not that big of a budget compared, you know, it's not like it was a crazy, you know, I movie. Was, Superhero film. <laughs> I would say, though, this is a movie where, once again, much like the Fanforstic one, and I believe, yeah, the uh, other Fantastic Four movie, the one that precedes this, falls off a cliff, like, three mm-hmm. quarters of the way through. Yeah. Um. I just, I did not care for the ending. I didn't care for just how it ended. For the Yeah, the ending wasn't... It was boring. Well, the I have a couple questions about the ending. I think, first off... Uh, um, first off, they completely made the fan fa- Fantastic Four completely unnecessary. The f- the all in one Fantastic Four was just better than all. I mean, clearly the best <laughs> the best one. Uh, so uh, Johnny Storm should just take their powers and, and be his own superhero because he it they it worked better than the four of them did. Well, in my opinion, this is that version where he gets all the powers together. Yeah. He's Super Scroll. Yeah. Which Super Scroll is? If yeah, you guys that's know, a character who. He was a scroll genetically modified mm-hmm. to, you know, have all the powers of the Fantastic yeah. Four in him. And it, yeah, that's true. That's like the, it's the equivalent of like uh, X Men Origins Deadpool. Where like, oh, no. no, not no. as bad, not as yeah. bad. But like, it's uh, it's the same kind of thing where it's uh, uh, it it's almost like you're seeing scroll without seeing scroll. Dead. It's not really Deadpool, but they called him Dead. That was it was weird, but uh, uh, that was a better version of that, I'd say. <laughs> I, I think it's funny though because when you see that version of the character, we don't see the scrolls yet, mm-hmm. but it's the closest thing we see. And they they were planning on making the sequel to this. I'm sure. And then they canceled it. Well, Frankie Ray is in it. Frankie Ray. Okay, so I just. Uh, connected this when I watched it. I w- just watched it a second time last night, and I went to look up the female officer who Johnny Storm is interested in. Yeah. See her at who what the actress was. Um, did you have any? Not are you still in the dark here? Because this yeah. is really crazy. This is cool. Uh, okay. I wasn't sure if you were gonna get this or not. Um, I didn't. I happened to look it up, and it was like Frankie Ray plays, uh, is, and that's a that's a character in the universe. And I go, oh, who's Frankie Ray? And I look it up, and Frankie Ray is Nova, the next Herald of Galactus. Frankie wow. Ray's character in the comics dates Johnny Storm. They break up. Um, she was she apparently has latent superhero powers. Her dad did like testing on. I can't remember what. Um, I think it was like a Johnny Storm uh, android. Th- it, it's in the comics once or twice, um, and she gets latent superpowers that she didn't know about. And they she like figures them out when she's dating him. They break up. She becomes Galactus's next herald. Which wow. was crazy. And Her name's Nova. I know. Yeah, they said it, I, it. It's one of those things where you don't know if it was a nod or if it was going to actually happen. But like, they left it to the point where they could, because they could in the next movie date break up. She turns evil, and then at the end of that film, it shows her in the post-credit scene meeting up with Galactus. I mean, that would have worked. Uh, I was shocked when I saw it. Really, like, I was very. I was like, oh, this is a cool find. I had no idea. It's, um, it's yeah. Funny because they, there's a lot of these movies you'll see. 
we want to do this. We want to keep bringing everything around and, you know, connect everything yeah. to the next thing. Worst case, you don't. Like, yeah. worst case, you leave it. But, like, yeah. There's a lot of abandoned plot threads. Sure. Like, Doc Samson was, I believe, played by Ty Burrell in, like, what's it called? In The Incredible Hulk in 2008. Yeah. And he's, he's Doc Samson. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, you're going to make him into maybe a one-day superhero in these movies? And then it turns out it's just like an abandoned plot. Yeah, and you never know some of the, and maybe they're all abandoned plot threads. I've a lot of times see oh there it's like a nod almost to a character. It's something they could do, but they don't. Um, this movie I, with Silver Surfer, there was some stuff I really liked, some stuff I, I I thought was corny, but not necessarily bad. I'll go with corny first. I have a couple points. Um, very two thousands action movie. You see this in a lot of different movies. Uh, the opening scene starts with the bad guy being dropped into the ocean or found in the ocean by an Asian riverboat. Dead assets. It's happened a lot. Happened in Transformers. Uh, similarly, it happened, uh, not the same thing, but in Aquaman, they cl- crash land in the desert. Uh, and I've seen the, that river. It's like they're in the south somewhere, in the South Pacific. And it's some, like, it starts off with, like, some, like, riverboat in Asian or, or like, Russians or whatever. Right. And all of a sudden, some comet hits the water or something. And it's, it glows evilly. I'm sure, yeah. It glows like a little evil glow. And then either it destroys the boat or it, on the news in the next scene, it's the superheroes or whoever saying, you know, some something was found. In the, like it happens a lot. It's been yeah. done a, like six or seven times in my mind. Spider-Man Three, when you you know you see Peter and MJ in the little web thing. Yeah. Same year as this movie. Yes. They do the scene where Venom crashes <laughs> on the planet. So. It happens whenever they want to introduce a non-earthly threat. It's so I've they seen it fall. more than a couple times. Like literally, like specifically Asian riverboat scene. It happens. Yeah. Uh, it works, I guess. It's not bad. It just it, it, I've seen it in a lot of action movies over my my lifetime. Um, well, to counteract the bad of that, one thing is it, this movie has my favorite Stanley, one of my favorite Stanley cameos. It's well, it's a, it's like from the comics, and it's a it's, it's a up. good it's a good cameo. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, you talk, talk about it. What basically he you know they're going to the wedding, and which by the way is officiated by major comic book nerd mm-hmm. Brian Posehn, yes, a former Deadpool writer as well. Always reminds me of uh, Eric from Tim and Eric. Uh, I can, just yeah. similar, like not enough for you to think, but like enough for you to be like, like just it's it, they always remind me of each other. But yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is a good counterbalance from what Van Forstick is. You bring comedic actors in, and you actually make them funny. Yeah, he is Tim Heidecker and Dan Castellaneta in the uh-huh. next movie. <laughs> yeah, haha, <laughs> <laughs> they're here. They're not that they don't do anything, but they're in it. Hey, let's let's hire comedic actors and not utilize them. Mm-hmm. Properly. Uh, I, is great, but the stand cameo where he comes in and. I'm on the wedding list. I'm, I'm Stan Lee. Lee. Yes, of course you are, buddy. Get out of here. Yeah, no, it, it's it's it was a well done cameo. And it's a straight up adaptation. Of mm-hmm. that. Which is a great nod if you get it, and if you don't get it, who cares? Yeah. Um, I like uh, this. Is something that is a big was a big question for a lot of people, a big comment for a lot of people, especially people that don't necessarily like superhero stuff. Is you know it's, it's unrealistic. It's not a realistic. Uh, it's not. It wouldn't happen in real life, which is stupid because neither would superpowers. But yeah. I like the realism in this film. They talk about the uniforms being endorsed. Oh, the city charged us for these squad cars we destroyed. I like when they do that. They go. They're like there's real implications because um, yeah. a lot of times you're like oh yeah. Uh, you know, uh, some some big bad guy came, destroyed all of New York. Man, eh, they're fine in the next. You know, it'll take six months to to, to rebuild three quarters of the city. Like what? This movie they talk about it a little bit, which I liked. And they do that very heavily in the MCU as well. Mm-hmm. They are now. Control got introduced. Uh, and and 
uh, I know with, and this is DC, I apologize, uh, but uh, in Superman they talked about it a lot. They, 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 they talk about it uh, in Avengers. They've talked about, like, I mean, they like with Civil War and stuff, they talk about it. And I think it's good because it is a big point that a lot of people that say, like, superhero movies aren't the same as a real, real movie. Yeah, they're not addressing it. They're not addressing the problem yeah. that you see in the real world. Sure. And if, if that did happen, yeah, there would be ramifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, another quick, like the riverboat scene, there's also the classic uh, supervillain super villain kills the scientist that helps him create his suit. You, like Green Goblin did it in Spider-Man. In this Doom, it shows Doom doing the same thing. They always like stand, they get out of their mold or whatever, and they instantly just like use their power to kill yeah. the scientist. <laughs> they just have that ability just right off the bat. It's, cla- it's classic and not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, another part, I wasn't a huge fan, but I did find it was a callback uh, from the comics, which made me like it more. Um, Andre Bauer's character, which I love that he was in this. I I'm, I know it's wrong, but I only ever see him as uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I didn't realize it was him because I, I haven't, you know, I haven't, you know, I hadn't seen him in too many other things. But they have a conversation, him and Reed Richards, about like nerd versus jock attitude. Yes. I wasn't, a, it seemed so corny. I guess it was from the comics, which made me like, like it more. It did happen, I guess, at one point um, with Ross and him or something like that, but... I love the element. A little forced to me. It was, it was a little forced, but I, I did love the whole aspect of, well, I'm the world's smartest man. I'm, I'm married to the hottest woman in the world, yeah. and it's like... I like the, I like the point I think it was a little on the nose for my taste, but it was a. It was, I liked the point they were making. It was very. It was a, a. It was a. They tried to make a good scene. I understand. I, I respect it. It wasn't my favorite uh, way they did it. It was but cheesy though. It was cheesy. I love they got their jet. In the yes, beginning of the movie, yeah. they're on the public plane. And I literally in my. I literally said out loud, "Why are they on a public plane?" And then like five minutes later. Johnny Storm, like, I think, made the joke, like, we should get our own jet, or someone made the joke. And I went, ah! And then, later in the movie, they get the jet, and I, it was the, the fa- best plot, in my opinion, of the movie. The fact <laughs> they did it, and the, the reveal of, you know, the little jet streams you can see, it yeah. makes the Ford. Yeah, they did the Blue Angels, like, well, they, I was, they, yeah, they but, like, brand. I mean, but it's also, like, their, I mean, that was their first time, most of them flying it, right? Yeah. How the hell did they have practiced? <laughs> like they left the they left the scene doing the thing. I was like, how do you know Best that? Talent. It made me laugh. I was like, how the hell would that? I wouldn't be able to do that off the top of my head. I mean, they're <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. That's their they, that's their uh, real power. Yeah, they are fantastic. They're like the Blue Angels. It made me. I was that was an air show. I was laughing about that. Uh, that was that was a funny point. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you know, I think it was good. I think the plot. Um, the plot was alright. I think it resolved itself relatively well. Um, it, again, was a little like derivative classic superhero movie style, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure it pushed a lot of genre. It didn't push a lot of boundaries in the genre necessarily, but I think it was a strong, strong superhero flick. Flick is the word I'd use. I say this movie gets a lot of the same flack that X Men The Last Stand gets. Mm hmm. X-Men The Last Stand See, I like, the, la- whole, I like the Last Stand It's like not a good movie But As a kid You think <laughs> Watching it again recently For the show X-Men The Last Stand Was If you remove The Dark Phoenix stuff Which is so massively Shoehorned in Yeah It's still a good movie I agree with that And it's, it was a fun film And Obviously someone You know Who knows the Dark Phoenix saga Which apparently They're re-adapting again For this mm-hmm. film This year but the, uh, they're still the they're thing, doing they're yeah they're all coming out the last thing that's going to be released is New Mutants 
Although apparently they're doing New Mutants because I had I wasn't sure if they were gonna can it. No, it's they're it's doing it because I'm very excited for New Mutants. I'm very I'm like if it's not really great, I'm gonna be more disappointed than I think almost any superhero movie that's come out. I'm very excited for New Mutants. New Mutants is, in my opinion, the perfect adaptation of the source material. I, yeah, no, if they like, do it why, right, yeah. Why are they doing horror for this? I'm like, have you read the Bill Sinkevich run? Yeah. The creepiest stuff. Yes, yeah, I and agree. I love Bill. Bill I'm very excited for it. Art. But with the, uh, this movie, it's, again, very similar to The Last Stand in that some elements are absolutely eh, and then mm-hmm. other elements are just like, wow, wow. They, they actually got it. They understood yeah. it. Okay, you got to do this. But again, they drift away from one aspect in some elements. Like, they, they got the family dynamic of the Fantastic Four perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then they still treat them like they're superheroes. Mm-hmm. But they also do one element that is very common in the comics. They treat them like they're superstars. And like yeah. we mentioned earlier, some of them don't want that attention. They got that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good... I like that subplot. You see it in superhero stuff. I like it because it is realistic. Unless you're trying your, unless you're trying to conceal your identity, people will know who you are. Yeah. If, if you're, especially if you're famous, rich scientists that then become superheroes that save the planet and don't wear masks. Uh, duh. And you see stuff like, like, like entertainment news is all over Sue and stuff. Like, I, I think those are I like how good. Is. I like them. I love that Sue is watching them trashing her and she's just yeah. like, eating popcorn really upset but like not turning it off yeah like I, w- I would hands at are that tied point, turn that off yeah maybe, you know, it was watch, that that was funny yeah watch Pawn Stars or something yeah she, <laughs> she was like yeah sitting there literally just like this is terrible I can't believe they're doing this I can't turn it off though this yeah. is really entertaining television <laughs> it's like that bit in Seinfeld it's so repulsive <laughs> I love it <laughs> yeah no it's uh it was you know something I think how do you like the final act kind of drama there? Like, Sue taking the bullet for the Silver Surfer type thing. How, how much of a, were you a big, were you a big fan of the ending there, the climax, or no? Eh. <laughs> eh. That's where I went, okay. A little fake blood smeared on her, on her eyebrow. Uh, if you, it's really funny. She got, um, I can't even remember what, why she, what, what hit her? Why did she, why was she dying? I think she, I forgot. I apologize. Oh, that's bad. No, I feel really. That's oh, bad of in, me. In the interest of fairness, the ending was just so very much blah. underwhelming. I I can't remember. Uh, I guess Doom hit her with some. Someone hit her with something. Uh, yeah. And uh, she like jumps in front of the Silver Surfer, takes it for him, and then she has no like cut or damage, but she does have a little blood on her forehead, um, and she just like she wasn't gonna die. You know that it's the, the <laughs> origin stuff. Well, the relationship between Sue and Silver Surfer was very much a nod to the Namor-Sue relationship. Because yeah. they couldn't do it. Sure. Because Namor's rights are tied up over at Universal Studios. <laughs> I like Namor, too. Namor was really cool. <laughs> Namor is... I liked Namor a lot when I was younger. He was Namor cool. Namor is OG Aquaman. I know. Namor's dope as hell. So, was it uh, the Defenders? Is that with Namor's Defenders with... The Hulk, Hulk and strange. yeah, strange. I, that's a cool. That's a cool group. I'd love to see, and I think they will if it's around for long enough. I really think you'd see it. You think one day we'll see the Defenders on? The- no, no, no. Like if, if they keep yeah. it around for long enough, they will because players like oh, Hulk. Yeah. First off, I need more Hulk content. I want standalone Hulk films now. I love Hulk. They use him as a side character, and I like the Hulk a lot. He's one of my favorite Marvel characters of all time. I want Planet Hulk. I will do anything for Planet Hulk. Marvel, if you're listening, anything you want. I want more Mark Ruffalo in the movie. Yes, Hi, yes. Mark, how you doing today? <laughs> but Mark. <laughs> 
It's us. <laughs> I think it would be cool to see all that. Yeah, and, they, and I think we will. Because people like Hulk. They like him like a... Hulk's like the classic like friend character in a, in a lot of the movies. Um, Hulk's like the comedic relief almost for a lot of people, especially Hulk and Thor's antics, especially since Ragnarok and stuff. But I think uh, in Ragnarok too, they that's, that's a, that was a lot like the... Thor and Hulk on Ragnarok like Silver Surfer and Hulk in Planet Hulk. Well, they're doing a lot of movies. They're planning on... I know the idea is merging movies, characters together. Mm-hmm. So, like, one movie is going to be so-and-so pairing with so-and-so. Like, odd couples that you would Yeah, expect. good. Offshoots, one-shots. I think, like, you're mentioning about the idea of the Defenders. I think we will get Namor one day. Maybe mm-hmm. in a movie with Doctor Strange. I'd love it. Imagine I'd be all over it, dude. Kind of mm-hmm. Because we don't know what Doctor Strange 2 is going to be. We still have no idea. Yeah, it could be anything. And I think, too, with with this whole Endgame thing, they could go in any direction after this. And I've said it before, I am very excited to see where they, where they take the universe after. I've seen a lot of fan theories. I'm interested to see where they take it. And to break, to loop this into Fantastic Four, if Marvel was to redo Fantastic Four as like a truly MCU universe thing, do you have any uh, plots or uh, actors cast that you'd think you'd like um, as a character? I've seen a lot of... John Krasinski as Reed and Emily Blunt as Sue. I've seen that around the internet, and I do think it's to not be bad. Honest, but... That's my go-to as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I also feel like I would love to see Michael Chiklis return as the. I loved Michael Chiklis as the thing. He was absolutely. Why did Johnny Storm's voice not change when he turned into the Thing's powers? It makes that, me think. Yes. It makes me think that, uh, canon Michael Chiklis just does it to look cool. Yeah, I think that uh, I think Ben does the voice to look cool. It is officially my opinion, and that is proof. Because Johnny gets the power, and he's like, "Oh my God, I'm a rock!" And like Michael Chicks is like, "I'm a rock." So I think he, I really do think it's a choice. <laughs> I, can, I can definitely see that. the idea of, like I said, just that. I, I'm trying to think who else could be really good in these movies. A Johnny Storm. That's a hard one to hit. You have to do it right. He's a yeah. cool character if you hit him right. There's good ar- there's good actors though for it. I can see a couple people. I'm trying to think I, of specifics. I think also another good actor to play Reed Richards mm-hmm. would be John Hamm. Oh, he always goes on. Oh John shit! Hamm yeah, no. For Batman. No, John Hamm could definitely play a good Reed Richards. John, Hamm, I, that's good. I wouldn't have thought of that. I think he might have to play a little different than at least I'm used to. A little like hardier of a char- character, maybe. But he could do a really good Reed Richards. That like drinks whiskey in the middle of everything. Yes, about advertising. Slightly better than that. <laughs> no, but I, I really do think he. Yeah, I always see him as. Uh, but I, I, I really do think he could play a really good Reed Richards. That's a good one. I wouldn't have thought of. He's a solid actor, and mm-hmm. I love him in Baby Drive. He was he, Baby Driver was a good movie. I did a I did a little podcast on Baby Driver. Uh, it's a very good movie. With a lot of really cool things to work with. It's and it's funny because they're making a sequel to that. Yeah, I think it. I, I honestly, I honestly think it's going to turn out all right. I think of a lot of the sequels that don't necessarily the sequels that aren't needed, but they made a lot of money, so they're going to do them. Yeah, Baby Driver has the potential to do it well if they completely move forward. I don't want to see a Baby Driver one part like. Baby Driver 1, 2. I don't want that. If they do Baby Driver 2, it's a different plot. Him and her are still in it, but they ch- it's it's moving completely forward. They could have a really good movie. I really think they could. I think they should Kingdom Hearts that shit and make it uh, Baby Driver 1.8. Yeah, 1. seriously. 9. 
That's what half of these sequels are. Is it's yeah. we're gonna take Super Troopers two. Remember when you liked that cult classic Super Troopers? We're doing it again. Like, and it never works out because you're just taking what was a thing that happened once and trying to repeat it. And when you try to repeat it, you're losing stuff there. If you don't try to repeat and you try to move forward as a franchise, you really see some good results sometimes. So I am I'm not super whatever about it. But back again to Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, I think this was a relatively good film. I, I have a bit of bias towards it. I think it was corny. But I never use that as a way to define a superhero movie as good or bad because right. corny is inherent to a lot of this stuff. Because it's source material can be very corny. Very corny, and that's okay. Because yeah. it's it, as long as you stick to one theme and tone, not like Fan Four Stick, where they're saying we're not sure if it's funny, if it's dark, if it, and, and that's when you see problems when you have conflicted voice like that. And in this movie, I like that they acknowledged they they reference source material of other things. And mm-hmm. I recently reread because of the 25th anniversary coming up of Kurt Busiek's and Alex Ross's Marvels. There's a scene where they, the the uh, reporter Phil Sheldon is talking about the marriage of Sue and Reed. Sure. And he goes, "This wedding went off without a hitch. You would have thought some of the villains would have killed all the superheroes that were here <laughs> and like attacked, but nothing happened. Like you said, went off without a hitch. This movie they kind of acknowledge that, and they're like." It okay, almost goes gonna happen, but shit's gonna happen. Yeah, uh, without a hitch. Yeah, so but like every single time didn't go off perfectly. Yeah, um, and I think that's, I and I think that's a really good way to introduce, and that's and, and like this is a really good way to introduce more dimensions to Sue's character without giving her anything to say or do. It's just yeah. you see that she cared a lot about it, and then after all the fighting and stuff, they went to have a get married again, and she was like, well. This is our, like she was yeah. okay with it, and she's she'd grown to say this is my life. I like it this way. I think it was a really good growing point plot plot point for the movie. And it would have. I, I feel this movie was so open ended though for the idea of a sequel. <laughs> There's and a lot of places they could do a sequel. It's a shame that you know Nova. I feel like if it happened, the movie would have been good. Like a sequel would have been. Mm-hmm. Good. I think if they continued it, they probably would have made some. They probably would have got gotten a success by the third one. I, I think. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of a disappointment that we didn't get to see more of these characters, but it was a given. Like, we yeah. knew it was going to happen. And yeah. Once, once Chris Evans took the role of Captain America, it was the final nail in the coffin of this franchise. Yeah, it was. Because you can't really... It's weird when there's, when there's two. Even if they're like, I was this character, now I'm this character. Ryan Reynolds somehow pulls it off because he's playing like a meta character now, I think. Yes. If he oh. was trying to play a regular character, it would still be weird. Well, um, some, somebody in a discussion on Twitter today, I'm, I'm looking through it, and somebody goes, Ryan Reynolds would be a good Joker. And I never thought mm-hmm. of that he would until be. now. I'm like, wow, I actually would love to see this, that. You know what? He would be even better. I this is I think this would be even better and more complex. Do run the Joker. Joker has, for the first time, you know, for the billionth time, Joker's had a complete psychotic break, right? Right. And Joker, ha- and this would be for a more campy film, but have... Ryan Reynolds be like a voice in Joker's head and have the Joker be played by someone else but be voiced by Ryan Reynolds or have like that voice in the back of his head like Deadpool yeah. in the comics you know the two voices kind of thing it would be campier but you could or you know that it, it would be I think that would be an interesting little character because Ryan Reynolds like could uh, it would be different but I think it would like for a Joker standalone or something have him either just the voice or have him talk to himself like you know like a like he's talking to another person or whatever right. have him be a like crazy from like a 
you know, I'm 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 going to the loony bin kind of crazy and have Ryan Reynolds right. talk to him. I think it'd be interesting. They could do like they could do it. It might be a little corny, but they could do it. There's so many different interpretations of these characters. Yeah, they could do, and it's kind he of would be a good joker. The Fantastic Four, you really only have one interpretation. Yeah, and it's Whereas, hard to stray from it too. I think honestly, if you stray yeah. from it too far, it's gonna be kind of dumb. Um, I don't know why though. They're good, but they're contained. Yeah, it's just this is the Fantastic Four. You don't touch it. It's them. They, they're yeah. that's just who they are. Um, are you more excited for Fantastic Four X Men to be in Marvel? I would say we've gotten so much X Men content over the years. Yeah, like over the past like two, three decades. Very fair point. You want to see more Fantastic Four, Four? They need a fresh reinvention. Sure. And they're going to be the uh, Phase Four is going to be Fantastic Four. I'm calling it now. When they announce everything at D twenty three this year, it's going to be Fantastic. Four. What else? What what else? So most of the fa- okay, we're introducing magic. We're introducing. Uh, uh, is it going to be more sp- like the of the celestial stuff? You think what kind of what what do you think they're going to focus on in Phase Four aside from Fantastic Four being a major player? Well, ironically, as I'm saying, the Fantastic Four, I you know, I feel Phase Four of the MCU is going to be more street level. I hope I really hope so because you build it up, you break it down, and you build it up again. Maybe uh, scrolls and stuff. You have people playing who you the oh now you don't know who in the secret universe invasion. is an alien or not. Yeah. yeah. And doing something like Secret Evasion and starting from the street level on Secret Evasion uh, uh, having different players have origin stories that you wouldn't expect littler people and that's when you'd see them retiring the colors of like an Iron Man and a Captain America. Have them turn into more of a mentor role. Um, I, I, and I think that's the way they're going to do it. I think they're going to retire them for the most. They're not going to kill them. They might still come around, but they're not going to have their own movies as much anymore because they can do other things. Yeah. I also saw, I don't think this is the case, but I did see um, a fan theory that I thought was interesting I wanted to talk about. Iron Man dying in space, but he leaves himself as an AI for Spider-Man. And I thought that was cool. There's, I know they <laughs> They've talked that. about it. Yeah, they did that in the comics recently with Ironheart. And I think that's why they're like sure they are introducing so many things now as like little plot seeds for the future for the movies, mm-hmm. and there's so much. I think although going back over to the idea of you know what could happen with the Fantastic Four, they're going for the fan, no pun intended the fantastical. And recently, in you know, like within the past couple of years, we've gotten back certain characters. Mm-hmm. We've seen certain characters reemerge in the comics. Which I'm might be calling, that, yeah, that might be them trying to introduce them so they can put them back in the movies. I'm calling this now for the idea of the fantastical. It's going to be we get involved with Fantastic Four, Moon Girl, and Devil Dinosaur. That would be really cool. It's, because that's one of that would be really cool. It's a solid series. If you haven't read it, kids would like that. Adults would like, yeah, wow. And I think that's what's going to be next too. I think we're going to see Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. <sighs> I love that. I really love that. I would like that a lot. I also need Moon Knight. Yeah. Need Moon Knight. I really think one of. I think if they do a good Moon Knight, it might be one of the best movies that Marvel's done oh. because there's so much you can do. With it. Multiple personalities. You can talk about stuff like mental health seriously and comedically, um, and it's a good point of drama. Very interesting character that on the big screen would be a lot like Deadpool, and people love. De- I mean, Deadpool's are yeah. arguably the most. Uh, critically, like c- critically, from a fan perspective, successful movie that they've done. It's what made most people, m- the general public, for the first time, say, "Holy shit, I like this." 
Yeah. It's not just an action movie that I'm gonna watch. It's not Avengers. I go to the theater. It was good. It's I like this movie. When it's on TV, I'm gonna watch it. This is funny. This is good. This is a quality film. So I think if they do more Deadpool style, which they are now with the R-rated films and stuff, those movies have the potential to be a lot better, shoot me, than Avengers and stuff. Yeah. I, I like Avengers. I think they're derivative. The 80s, cla- they're not deep. I think with some of these other films, they could go deep and have really deep films. With Deadpool, Deadpool invaded the pop culture. So you know, much. Conscious. Like, I went, so much. I was walking around Target the other day, and there was a kid wearing a Deadpool hat. Oh, no, no, no. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere. Not even comic fans, regular old people. It's yeah. it's invaded pop culture is exactly what I would say it is. My mom's a 60-something-year-old woman, and she loves Deadpool. My parents love it. Yeah, my dad went and saw it with his girlfriend in theaters. I mean, they're in, yeah, they're in, their, they're in their late 50s. They like Deadpool. They know Deadpool. Yeah, it's, it's – I think that was a turning point, and Moon Knight could be, I think, in a couple of years – in like five years, Deadpool's kind of been done. You, there's been four Deadpool films. He was in another Marvel movie. He's cool. They're still going to do more, but they want to give him a break. Yeah. They're going to not do it for a little while. Come in with someone like someone like Moon Knight, if not Moon Knight, and, and have a, a replacement. Because it's like the next, that's the next replacement, I think. But yeah, there's, there's so much stuff. And with the Fantastic Four, it's opening Pandora's box of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be absolutely insane, and I can't wait. I'm very excited for what happens after this. I think this is a good first phase, I guess, even though this has been three phases. I think this is a really good um, birthing point for superhero films in the modern age. And I think yeah. after oh, this, yeah. they're going to turn into... Th- we're going to see like a like a teenage phase where you have like a, like a lot of really interesting change and a lot of like, you know... 10 to 25, some of the best years for growth. Like, you, you know, you're, you're changing a lot, but in a really good way, that kind of thing. Very similarly, I think we're going to see major growing period where they push the genre. And uh, I think they have a lot of source material to work with, but I will dare to say that they're also going to take some creative leaps. Yeah. Think Game of Thrones, like season seven or whatever, right? Where they, they say, screw the books, we're doing our own thing as well. And you're going to see some of that where it's like, that was never in the comics and they're doing it in the movie. I think you're going to see a little bit of that in a couple of years. It's going to be crazy. And yeah. it's going to be a lot of bold decisions that... When we're when I'm 50, I wonder what it's going to be like, how different superheroes are going to be. the MCU is still going to be going on then? Um, they might disband it and re-bring it in, but superhero movies are still going to be happening. I think they're going to go through a phase where people don't like them anymore. Oh, yeah. Because they get overwashed because there's been, there's been 50 of them in the past 12 years and... It's just like, oh, we need to stop. They're going to kind of go away. They're gonna, then the next generation is going to kind of refine them and like them a lot again. Um, and they're going to have like a Star Wars-esque rebirth. And I think that's what I expect from the series. Um, I think we're going to go through a phase of that. But I'm, they're, they're around forever. I think superhero movies are a new genre. The genre's not going to go away. It's In like classic. though, I thought in 2015, Ant-Man or a regular Ant-Man was going to be the movie that would kill the superhero movies. I, so I, I'm not a huge fan of Ant-Man. I love that movie. I, I think... Uh, it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that there's not a lot of rewatchability for me, personally. It's not yeah. bad. I don't really have much of a connection to Ant-Man, part of it. Neither did I, but I just love the way that movie was made. It's a good movie. It's I don't Edgar not like Wright's it. DNA still in it. Huh? It's got a lot of Edgar Wright's DNA still Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think it's a movie that has a lot of integrity, and it's well-made. It's funny. It's campy. It's a lot like a comic book. Um, so I think it's a good movie, objectively. Personally, I watched it once. I watched, I think, that movie twice and Ant-Man and the Lost once and I liked them probably not I'm not going to watch them as much as maybe some of the other ones yeah. Um, but uh, yeah no I, I think generally they've been doing pretty good by the franchise and this is gen- we could do this for we could do this for yeah. hours dude this is crazy well before we go let's yeah. get into our mini uh, like my ranking of the movie for this 
Honestly, Rise and Silver Surfer, three out of ten. Yeah. Kind of because three out of ten, three out of five. Or three out of five, sorry, three out of five. <laughs> three out of ten. Fuck you. <laughs> and language, but um, yeah, we uh, we're trying like for me with that movie, I was trying it, like. I agree with three out of five. By the way, same. It's. It's a passive it's not movie. A, it's not a bad movie. It's an even movie. It's take it or leave it. It isn't... It's not as good as a lot of the newer ones, but it's not a bad movie. It it's, doesn't deserve the flack it gets. Oh, no. It's one of those movies, if you see it on TV, give it a watch. Give it a try. It's not bad. It's a 2000s movie. Yeah. It doesn't push boundaries. It is a safe 2000s superhero film, but it is not a bad safe yeah. 2000s superhero film. I think that's the difference. People think it was a movie that was safe, it's a little dated, like anything that happened from 2000 to 2009. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's, people give it too much, like think about everything. Watch a lot of movies nowadays from that time period. They don't hold up well in a lot of ways. Uh, I saw it in this movie. I see it in a lot of movies. I rant about it sometimes. You see a lot of weird underlying, I'm not going to say homophobia, but you get the weirdest gay jokes that don't hold up at all anymore. Yeah. Uh, they had in this movie, like at one point, like I think someone goes to hug Ben and he's like, oh, don't get like that on me or something like that. And you see in a lot of, the, like you said, it was, it was small, it's but it was, you see little, you see little comments like that because back then it was still relative something that wasn't accepted or talked about, I guess. You've seen a lot of 2000s films, like yeah. some rom-com with a really overly gay stereotype character and he goes into like the kitchen and someone's like, don't let him touch the buffalo dip. And you're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, it, it, you know, like, you, like it, watch 2000s like rom-coms specifically, but you kind of still see that a lot. And it, it, you, it, I think there was one comment that was a little off in this movie, but uh, so 2000s in a lot of ways doesn't hold up very well, I guess. It was a transitional period. And considering this movie did a very good job um, with a population that wasn't super into superhero films for the most part, um, yeah. with a budget that was decent, but it wasn't anything like they have now, um, I, I really did think this movie was all right. I would probably give it a three, objectively, 3.5 personal childhood. So, yeah, nostalgic, <laughs> um, nostalgic, probably 3.5, but definitely a three, objectively. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I liked it. So, John... Before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? You can reach me uh, at JD underscore Sherburn. That is JD underscore S H E R B U R N E. And I'm going to do a shameless plug. If you yeah, like if you like listening to me, I didn't do the other one. If you like listening to me uh, and hearing me talk, I have a podcast as well. It's called the Nightcap Podcast. That's N I G H T C A P podcast. Sell people on the show. Sell people. What is it about? Uh, it's uh, I talk about a lot of different topics. It's a, it's it's kind of random. It's it's stuff I find in my day to day life. A couple examples are uh, horror films and fear and culture, or uh, technology and how it's relating to my generation. Um, things like that. So I'll take a topic from day to day, and then I really analyze it, bring my own perspective, talk about things. I, I think it's all right. So type in Nightcap. Put my name in there too, John Sherburn. Um, no H in John. And, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> so now before we go, let's get into the final rap, which you probably could have just listened to the beginning of the episode, but mm-hmm. I always want to, like, No, talenting it. No, that's fine. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So, got to bookend this bad boy. Mm-hmm. Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash themarvelists. Give myself a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcaster. You can also find us on Twitter at themarvelists. Twitter myself, machine. Peter Melnick. <laughs> Wait, what? The Twitter machine. At <laughs> Peter Melnick. At No Eddie is not on Twitter. Hashtag Jeremy Bagley something something something. Something Jeremy Bagley. Ah, yeah, friend of the show, Jeremy Bagley. Ah. <laughs> but yeah. 
Uh, what else? What else? Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Marvelous. It's again also the Marvelous. But you can find myself at Peter Melnick on Instagram. Eddie is at Eddie nine one nine three. Not E Wilson. Remember, <laughs> Eddie will get upset with me for that. Oh, he will. You can also drop us a line in our email bag, Marvelous at Gmail dot com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, yada yada yada. Get Stitcher. Stitcher's important. Stitcher, go on. <laughs> go to Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code at checkout, Marvelous. And when you do, you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. Cancel at any time if you want. I don't know. But it helps support the show and you get some killer good audio con- content. Good, good content, honestly. There's a lot of good stuff. No, like, good as content. As a big uh, Mark Marin fan, I've found yes. so much stuff through his archives. But yeah. And you can also listen to the show on a wide variety of streaming platforms. First off, iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. And, of course, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Podbean. Uh, what else is Spotify, there? Spotify, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, By the Fire at Night, at your local grocery store. Any, it's all over. On a boat, on a goat, whatever. <laughs> we, we're on all of that, available for all iOS and Android devices. So, for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. For John Sherburn, I'm John Sherburn. Excelsior. Damn. True believers. <laughs> Mustache. Sunglasses. But.